Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Theosocial, where theology meets sociology. I am your host, Elizabeth Escobar. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you who have been tuning in and being faithful listeners. And if you are a new listener, welcome to Theosocial. I appreciate you tuning in. So we're just going to dive right in. First of all, I would like to say that um, myself and my household, my husband and I and my kids, we are praying every single day for every single person that is being affected by this COVID-19, the coronavirus. Um, Just today, just really feeling very um, heavily burdened to pray for um, those that have been physically um, affected. So if they have the virus themselves and even those that are working round the clock to make sure that the rest of us remain healthy. So for those of us that are quote unquote stuck at home, you know what guys, let's count that as a privilege and just let's be, be safe. Let's continue to stay home, keep our children um, safe. I know we got to work a little extra and be extra creative but it is, I would rather it be that than on the flip side to be laying in a bed at a hospital. Um, so really just praying for total healing and just for a revival to take place and not just the United States, but all throughout the world that God uses this for his glory. So today I think it's so, so appropriate um, to be sharing this passage. It's been like literally like burning in my heart, it feels like. And I have tried numerous times to record this episode. And for whatever reason, either the tech or the time, it just kind of comes against it. But um, we are going to be diving into John chapter 11. So this is a brand new series, which I'm really excited about. Um, We're going to be doing a little bit of some Sabbath chronicles. And what does that mean? So as we are in quarantine, we are basically being put on like a, um, I don't want to say a timeout, but like it, in a sense, like those of us that are remaining at home, it's just kind of like the Lord is like, all right, now it's time to rest. And this is how you're going to rest. Go be with your family, go be with your children, be in your home and rest. And I think for the most part, most of us are having a really hard time with what was, what rest looks like because we're so accustomed to a busy go 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 lifestyle and I know myself I am having to really like repent before the Lord and just like wow God um, my rhythm is to jump ahead and not wait for you so Lord I repent and forgive me for being that way and I know I'm not the only one that's experienced that but yeah, today is also Palm Sunday, which again, I, you'll you'll see why I think this is a really appropriate passage. So we are going to be covering John chapter 11. So this passage, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's pretty long, but I will read the first two verses. Um, this is titled The Death of Lazarus. So I'm reading out of the NIV study Bible, and it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose mother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And we'll go back to that. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So um, there's a few things that I want to point out about this text. There's a lot of things that happen um, in this passage in, yeah, quite a few things. So number one, this is the final miracle that Jesus performs in his public earthly ministry. Jesus's very first miracle was at a wedding. And as we all know, a wedding, what does it symbolize? It symbolizes new life, new beginning, a new season, right? You are entering into a life with another person, right? You There's a union that's happening. And for Jesus to initiate his public ministry at a wedding was very symbolic and also something um, that was tied culturally. Um, it had to do a lot with just like the um, the uh, the Jewish culture was, and it still is, a very relational type um, culture, and not just their culture, but just um, their practices as a religion and as a people very much family oriented. So a wedding is, you know, just in any culture really is a time of great celebration. And um, Jesus's uh, miracle that he performed at this wedding was turning water into wine, you know, so really doing something that number one is miraculous and two was completely almost like impossible. And now flash forward into this miracle where Lazarus does in fact die. And as we learn further on in the text, he ends up bringing him back to life. So he was dead for a number of days. Um, and then Jesus um, basically calls him out of his tomb. And this is something that's really important. So I have some notes here that I want to read. So it says, this miracle happened right before the Jewish Passover, right before Palm Sunday. Why does that matter? Well, because we so easily forget his greatness, then turn away and chant to crucify him instead of our flesh. And I noted that because as we go through the Gospels, in every Gospel, they kind of have their own um, flavor, their own like writing style. And the book of John is... It just kind of gets to the nitty gritty, right? It just gets right down to it. So this is chapter 11, but even with that, there's so much that happens in the text. And then in the following chapter, it's already the Passover. The, you know, the chapters continue and there's, there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of events that take place. So this is all leading up to Jesus's crucifixion and Passover itself is like, it is the holiday for um, the Jews. And for all of this to be taking place, there's quite a bit of attention that is not only surrounding um, the Jewish people, but there's a lot of attention that was placed on Jesus. So this miracle was pretty significant in many, many ways. And the reason why I mentioned about his crucifixion was because, so this 
miracle of raising Lazarus back up to life happened um, a week prior to his crucifixion, right? And then uh, days later, these very same individuals that saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead are the very same ones that were chanting for him to be crucified. And before we jump over and are like, oh my God, those people are evil. What's wrong with them? You know what? You and I, I know myself, very easily forget God's goodness, God's grace. Um, just may start complaining to the Lord. I even know in this time, it's just kind of like, I'm complaining that I'm stuck at home. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I need to stop that. You know, like, yes, there's many things that are frustrating. A lot of shift, a lot of quick changes have happened, but I am healthy. I am safe. (laughs) I have my family with me. My kids are healthy. They are doing well. And I need to really, um, uh, beef, um, really meditating out of a place of gratitude. And, you know, and if that's not where you're at, totally okay. God is a God who created our feelings and our emotions, and he's going to walk us through this, you know? So just as much as there were those individuals that were just like ready to like chant, um, for Jesus to be at the cross, he still died for those individuals too. And so what does that tell me? That tells me and you that he has grace and mercy for every season, for every emotion that we are experiencing. And he's okay with it. He's a God that wants to lean in to our brokenheartedness and not really take a step back. Um, really quickly. So the second note that I have here um, is that this miracle Uh, the raising of Lazarus from the dead is actually only found in the book of John, which is really interesting. Like I mentioned, every gospel, they kind of have their own style, their own way of writing. Um, And I'm sure there's plenty of commentaries that talk about this, but I just thought that was kind of like a little quick fun fact to throw out. My next note is based off of verse six. So verse six, let's read it. It says, where you have So it says, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. So Jesus delayed. Jesus didn't move according to the direction of the people. And he didn't rush because people had a rush or because there was a crisis. He only moved in the leading of the father. So if you are a a studier of, of just God's word, of just the gospels, you will know specifically in Jesus's ministry, there was always this tension between Jesus and his disciples. His disciples were always like, look, Jesus, oh my God, look, there's a crowd. Oh my God, let's go over here. Come on, let's go to the next town. Hurry, Jesus, come on, hurry, hurry. Their language is always of hurry or of immediacy. And Jesus would in turn reply or answer to them, um, you know what, let's go over here. Let's go pray. Uh, let's go fish. You know, one thing that I love about Jesus and who he is, like Jesus took naps. Jesus just would really go at the pace of the father. He was in no rush. Like even when there was people that were like demon possessed or sickness or 
these uh, religious leaders coming up to him and challenging him or, you know, plotting against him. Nothing rocked our Savior. He was solid in the palm of God's hand. And you know what? If that was Jesus' temperament, what is that teaching me? What is that teaching you? What is that teaching his disciples at this moment? That really, like, if he, his trust and hope is placed on the Father's will, then that's really where we should be placing our hope and not be moved by a circumstance, by a situation. And if we are, then really leaning into God's heart, leaning into God's will so that we can reflect that more so that, you know, our anxieties, our temperament, or just our our rush that we're feeling, that we can um, bend that over to God's will so that we in turn can reflect more of him. And I mean, what a beautiful picture. I mean, if, if Jesus really needed to have that space of time to find hours and just even like the fact that Jesus fasted, like, I mean, it just, it's mind blowing to just think like how dependent Jesus was of the father. So I think that that's something that really we need to take away from and just, Hey, We are not going based off of the rush of what we see around us, but we are pressing in to what God's leading is. And he's the lead, not my circumstance, not anything around me, but he is the one that's leading. Um, Number four are based on verses nine through 10. So let's see, we got verse nine here. So it says, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. And he had said this. He went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. So I'll just read what the few notes that I have here. So uh, walking in darkness um, is a symbolism of the Old Testament. So Jesus was really, really discerning of the times, especially like the difference of time between earthly and also spiritual, just a, a, a heavenly time. And he very masterfully um, walked and lived in that tension, in the here and not yet, right? In that um, comparison, you know, where it's like, yes, uh, we live in healing, but yet we are maybe experiencing setback or the result of disease or a divorce or what have you. Um, and that was something that, I again, I think it ties really, um, really well with just uh, Jesus' dependency on God the Father, that um, it was based off of his, God's leading, you know, and because it was off of his leading, he knew when to rest and when to press forward. Um, and he also knew that there was, um, there was really like a distinction between what was something that was maybe just earthbound versus something that was kingdom-oriented, that was um, deriving from heaven. Um, 
And I think that that was something really that uh, the religious leaders weren't able to identify in Jesus because they were so tied to this notion of this is who the Messiah is going to be. He's going to be this type of king. And this is the only way that he's going to be able to uh, rock uh, our world and just change uh, a government structure. And when Jesus comes along, they don't recognize the real Messiah. So they were focused on the wrong things. Um, this is very interesting to me. I mean, I think that that's something that um, there's always attention as a believer that we live in, right? We live in the here and not yet. We live in the thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And But we also live in a, in a physical, earthly world. And I think that no time like this season do we experience that. You know, we are... Yeah, we're we're hearing of people recovering from this disease, this this virus. But then on the flip side, we are hearing of individuals not recovering and um, just the real world crisis that it is. So there's it's a real tension, you know. But God is very much at the center um, and one hundred percent still in control. Um, and we will go through the remaining. Um, yeah, we'll go through the remaining points in the next episode. So I really, really appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, please make sure to like my podcast, um, subscribe to it, uh, comment, share it with a friend. It's so, so crucial and important, I think, now more than ever to be spreading good news. And you know what? The best news to share is the news of the gospel, the news of God's word. You know, it's filled with hope. And we know that even though in the physical, it may seem like a delay. But you know what? This miracle, what I'll leave you with is that this very miracle even though it was Jesus' last miracle that he performed, it propelled the road to the cross. And that cross is still the answer to you and I today. So know that the hope of the cross, it it glimmers and it and it shouts to us and it sings of the miracles that are still yet to come. So be encouraged and continue to tune in for next time.